Hello, ASPN listeners. Jenna Valente here. Summer is upon us, and that means it's prime time for adventuring. So, in the spirit of channeling that energy, I'm extending a hand to you to join me along with a few of my wayfinding friends as we guide you on a sailing adventure of a lifetime up the iconic, glacially carved coastline of Maine, exploring its beauty, bounty, and getting to know some of the kindred spirits that reside down east along the way. It is with great joy that I welcome you to a three-part adventure series we're calling Surf, Sail, Seafood. Welcome aboard the Vacationland Express, and please, mind the gap. We are back checking in with our new friends. Uh, We've got Willis and Spike and a new addition to the trio, Ben. Hello. Hello. (laughs) It's good to be here. We're actually on the boat today enjoying a little happy hour um, on a beautiful Maine day right here in Quahog Bay in Harpswell, Maine, right off the coast of Snow Island. Um, I feel like we should get to know Ben a little bit better before we hear about how your trip is going. So Ben, will you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you know these two? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually met Willis about a month and a half to two months before this whole shindig started. Um, I had plans to sail up the coast of Maine and do some island hopping of my own and uh, he asked to come on board and made the boat a lot safer to have another vice captain on and um, yeah so with that obviously that was a yes and then Spike hopped on board after that and it turned into this whole project so anyway um, it's been a good trip so far just adverse weather in the beginning and Things are lightening up and getting more organized, and we're kind of dialing it in from here. Yeah, so let's hear about the weather a little bit more, because, you know, for the people who listened to part one, we checked in with Willis and Spike before they took off, and right, I think the day that you guys left, (laughs) a series of really intense thunderstorms hit the Northeast. So uh, what was that like, being on this sailboat? Uh, actually, describe the boat a little bit. So, how big is it? So we're on a uh, we're on a Tartan Thirty. It's a nineteen seventy six. So it's a forty four year old, thirty foot sailboat. Amongst three guys, space is fairly limited. Getting cozy. Um, it's nice and cozy, <laughs> tight quarters. Um, yeah, those first couple days were some of the roughest seas I think any of us have been on. Um, a little malpreparation. Uh, our boat on the inside was soaked, so we've had some not soaked, not drenched, but a little wetter than <laughs> a little we would have liked. Damper than yeah. ideal, and thus, <laughs> and thus moldy at times. And too. yeah, totally. So coming into port in Portland and knowing some people, we were able to kind of cheat and do some laundry and clean some stuff up and dial it in. And honestly, those first two days made us all better sailors, which is. Just really? ran a crash course. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> throwing into it. Ser- seriously, was kind of trial by fire. Like one of one of my biggest goals for this trip was to learn like efficient sailing from Ben, and 
it kind of started <laughs> in like hour three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any uh, sea seasick people? Oh, I'll take the I'll take the lead there on that go. one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, booted pretty hard for a good two-hour session, and I was out. And fortunately, these boys hunkered down and bared through it. And so, so hence us being thrown into the fire <laughs> on day one. <laughs> well, Willis and I, I figured out. Willis uh-huh. and I both with some sailing experience, but never really exactly captaining experience. We're back at the helm figuring it out and just kind of got thrown into it yeah but, uh, i think it we kind of arrived in uh isla shoals and everybody was a little bit more excited and grateful for everything from there and it yeah. almost made the next few days just more enjoyable because of how interesting and right into the fire we got on day one <laughs> it was it was immediate survival mode yeah. like there was it was super enjoyable in hindsight and it's always cool to have those aspects of the adventure because you know when it all goes right it's not that fun to mm-hmm. look back on not an adventure yeah but when like when you have that kind of nasty gnarly heavy seas just thrown at you and you're you're committed to the trip it's fun to battle through it and I feel like that's how it goes with so many grand adventures like this one is there's always going to be there are your high points and your low points and maybe you don't appreciate your high points without those low points. You guys just got yours right off the bat, uh, but we're glad you're safe. And it seems like there's been some pretty great weather ever since then. Yeah. Today included. Uh, So tell me a little bit about where you've been. So maybe we'll just start chronologically. So you guys stopped in York first well technically we overshot york um during the second day which was almost equally as stormy Mm -hmm. um but we ended up uh finding safe harbor in kennebunk port and then spent the night there the next day we actually went down to see our friends at grain surfboards in york got a couple waves um had really great conversations with them about their main sourced cedar wood that they use for all their boards across the line. That's super cool. Um, yeah, really, really great team down there and really committed to Maine, local, coastal support of one another, sustainability. Kind of the theme that we've discovered throughout Maine. Everyone's kind of got each other's backs and collaboration is abound everywhere and they're beautiful too that's yeah. the most beautiful surfboard i think i've ever seen we'll have life. to like post a picture of it with the episode yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I got some stuff. we got a couple good, on board good. awesome so yeah you can, you can check them out for sure so where'd you guys go from there so the next actual i guess stop or uh people we met with from there was in portland we went to met with luke from luke's lobster and that was a really interesting one first of all hands down the best lobster roll I've ever had, but that's, I can't really be pushing that out there or saying that's something that, that I'm sure there's a myth. <laughs> yeah, those are fighting there. words in Maine, <laughs> but I mean, I but, also um, think Mainers will stand behind Luke's lobster. No, it's really good. But it, I thought it was really cool to hear his story and the story of Luke's and also that, you know, understandably that it is, you know, a larger um, conglomerate that even at the top level, at that high level, there's still a major, major focus on sustainability. And uh, I think it's been really cool to be able to go from something like that and then come to 
place like Quahog and kind of see the macro and micro scale and see kind of from top to bottom how important sustainability is for everybody. Yeah, so I, I kind of gave a sneak peek on episode one where we were talking about Quahog Bay Conservancy and how the guys were going to meet up with my dad. And uh, who is the man? That, yeah. <laughs> he Good old Pete Valente. He's the best. He's like the quintessential Maine man. Yes. Um, he's like if confirmed. If Poseidon grew Conf up in Maine. Confirmed <laughs> after. Yeah. So out with him if you sure. guys didn't believe me when I was telling you about how cool he is, now you have these guys, and you can go back and listen to the episode that I did. I did a special <laughs> Father's Day episode with them last year on Father's Day talking about his Coast Guard career and what he does now for work. Uh, pretty cool guy. Uh, I might be biased, but <laughs> but these guys spent the day with him. So uh, let's hear about what you all did today. Yeah, I mean, we, we rolled up and we got in really late last night. Um, we had a couple speed bumps on the way here from the Gosling Islands, but Overall, uh, we got in safe and sound to Snow Island and woke up this morning bright and early to check out some of the um, oyster leases here under the Snow Island Quahog Bay Conservancy um, zone and territory. And uh, it's pretty cool, I will say. I mean, it was pretty, in general, the entire situation or the entire organization going on there is completely world-class everybody it was super friendly and just really kind of took us under a wing for the entire day really showed us everything from uh, what they're doing obviously with oyster farming in order to be able to sustain the conservancy but also uh, and other initiatives they have like the green crab um, collection that they've been doing the uh, invasive species of green crab is coming to this area and really affects the ecosystem and they go and collect the green crab and then they're able to turn that into mulch and other kind of things fertilizer that then could be recycled into increases, other farms yeah increases the nutrient pool in the soil for local farmers um it's pretty amazing calcium was the biggest nutrient that was it uh what was the name? Of uh, the Wolf's farmer? Neck Farm. Was Dan that we met with? Tom. Tom. He um, just, yeah, how he understood how that increase in nutrients absorbs into the rhizosphere, and he did his own, um, you know, scientific study and experiment that um, he just saw such a difference in adding that green crab to the soil, which is pretty unique. I also think if you look at a nautical map of this place, it is like the perfect spot to have an oyster farm like this. Um, another facet that I really like about Quahog Bay is that they do water sampling. So they test um, at all different sites. Um, there's two main locations for their um, oyster cages, um, but all throughout the bay, I'd say there's probably nine plus water sample sites. and. Um, it was pretty nice. Destiny was able to show us kind of what she does. She incubates the water for, you know, a few hours. 16 and, hours or something. And the, yeah, and then is able to look at it under a blue light and see if there's, you know, E. coli presence. And it's pretty interesting, too, just because we're coming in at a time, like, right after the 4th of July. These samples came from a few days ago. 
Um, just the traffic, the one water sample that we saw was close proximity to the local marina. Um, so you'd imagine an increased boat traffic ripping through there. So um, she said it was the highest E. coli spot that she found. Um, so yeah, just interesting to kind of make those connections and conclusions. It's just crazy to think about also like, you know, what she was saying that prior to the 4th of July weekend was some of the cleanest water they had seen in a while because of COVID and just naturally not a lot happening. And then immediately when you start to add in humans to the system, what do you see? Like and a change in the ecosystem. And it's, it's, I don't know, sometimes you see, you have to be able to see the science right in front of you. And as soon as, you know, those pods came out into the black, like the black light, you're just like, wow. Like it, it's, you know, it's super visual and really interesting to see and, and pretty cut and dry. The fact yeah. is yeah. that humans have a pretty powerful and harsh effect on the ecosystem. And it's that, that age old kind of discussion where so many of these industries and businesses rely on people coming here and then you see the environmental degradation that happens when they do come here and you have to weigh the two because they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I think that's something I really admire about the Quahog Bay Conservancy is it's this community-based model where the organization's a nonprofit, but they're sustaining themselves through the sale of their oysters, but then they're putting all of that directly back yeah, into the amazing. community mm -hmm. to take care of the water and, you know, fight the invasive species. The green crabs up here, I mean, for people listening that aren't up in New England, green crabs are just uh, incredible nuisance and are just out competing a lot of our native species um, and destroying habitat. So to find ways to partner with people on land that have farms and in other communities, I think they've sold them to pet food companies too, um, to try to find different innovative ways. I think they've worked with chefs in Portland uh, just to try to figure out how to combat this problem. I think it's yeah. pretty amazing what their, their model is here. And it's, a, it's like a positive cycle, you know, the the oysters clean the water, the water gets cleaner for the oysters to grow more, be healthier, be better for eating, and it just kind of continues its own closed loop of improving the I, local and broader ecosystem. Yeah, I just love how their main initiatives both, like it's, once again, it's cut and dry how much it just, it's a full circle. Like everybody gains, and you can't really find that end where it's like, okay, there's the issue. It's each one of the initiatives, the green crab initiatives, the oyster issues, uh, oyster stuff is literally, everybody's benefiting. The environment's benefiting, the, the conservancy's benefiting, all the people around are benefiting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do we have a visitor? <laughs> What's okay. This is the beauty of podcasting on a boat is sometimes you have a visitor and I think it actually might be my dad. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> Which is like a good good key to maybe start wrapping it up, but maybe we'll just cover where you guys are going next. From here we actually have like five or six days of pretty dedicated surf exploration mm -hmm. uh, through some of the outer islands and of a couple other spots that 
Am I getting in trouble for actually saying on the podcast? <laughs> I, know, I, I was like thinking, I was like, should I ask them about uh, surf spots? And <laughs> maybe not. And same thing with fishing. It's like, those are like yeah. cherished maybe, maybe and guarded. Maybe, so. maybe we yeah. put four beeps right there. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great move. Yeah. No hidden gems. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, our next, our next major destination is Aragosta on Deer Isle off of Stonington. For all um, you foodies out there. Yeah, major, major ocean to table, committed, uh, pretty high-end restaurant. Um, it's the only structure, I believe, on Deer Isle. And so that's um, it's kind of our next big, exciting destination that we will island hop our way up to. You can get a great meal, too, uh, you know, after oh, yeah. living on a boat for however long. But by the time you get up there, it'll be... Speaking we had a great mackerel meal the other night, we though. Did. Was it that self-caught oh, or... Self-caught self mackerel. <laughs> veggies. Yeah. So Dude. many veggies. It was phenomenal. Awesome. I will say Made on meal. your birch barrel? Unfortunately, the birch barrel does not have a barrel that fits a boat of this size yet. But right. spring 2021... They're coming out with the son of a birch. Son of a podcast is brought to you by Birch Barrel. <laughs> so truly, though, like it's kind of fun because trips like this, they actually take feedback from, and want people to be able to use, you know, things f- floating in rivers, boats, wherever. So, um, you know, hopefully we do more with you between now and then. But next year's trip. We will have the birch barrel. Awesome. Love it. Plus the team at Cohog uh, Bay gave yeah. us about four dozen oysters that we are going to polish off tonight and I am I couldn't be more excited. In the next thirty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, the yeah. best pairing for a little happy fishing. hour. <laughs> can't go fishing because these boys are gonna eat them all. The last thing I'm curious about before I let us all go eat some oysters uh, is being out on the water. I have to ask if you've seen any really cool wildlife. Yes, whale day one, which was pretty. Ins- well, we can go deeper into yeah, it, but right whale day one. A right whale. Okay, for listeners, those are endangered. <laughs> They're yeah. like one of the most endangered animals on the planet. There are less than 400 left and in was, the world. You know, it was kind of a bummer as eight foot seas and we were sailing and I didn't have a I, I was had a wide angle on and I really wasn't shooting that much as we were sailing at that point but I didn't get it on camera but it was cool to be like wow day one yeah and there it is so. I feel like I've always said if I saw one in real life I'd start sobbing <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably good that that I wasn't with you I, start, I started crying scene. immediately <laughs> that, that just the so emotional. rare <laughs> <laughs> the emotional day that we were already having. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, right. But uh, other than that, a small pot of porpoises off of Portland Harbor. Um, seals, beautiful ospreys. Um, you know, the local bald eagles here in Cohog Bay. Yeah, we saw some eagles today. Hopefully you guys see some puffins on your next oh, leg yeah. of your trip. Mm-hmm. So cute. Um, okay, well, it was so nice spending the day with you guys. You too. As always, I appreciate it. This is going to be a really great part two. I'm looking forward to checking in with you guys when you're done and following along with your journey uh, in between now and then. So um, let's go eat oysters. (laughs)